friends election day has turned into election week and as of yesterday afternoon joe biden has been elected to be the forty sixth forty sixth president of the united states of america mr biden won this very close race and some people are happy today while others are dejected maybe your candidate won and maybe your candidate lost but no matter who you voted for, no matter what decision you made this week, no matter who you uh, selected to be our president, the decisions that you make now after the election are even more important. This decision about who our next president will be has been a big one. It's been uh, very large on the political scale and the national scale. For several weeks, we've been talking about this. And for several weeks, I've been saying to you, get out the vote. It's so important for you to exercise your right as a citizen of the United States of America to vote. But today I stand in front of you to say that your decisions are not over. In fact, the very same decision that you've had for weeks is still in front of you. The decision that I've talked about for weeks that's bigger than the decision for the President of the United States is still in front of you today. It's the same question we've been looking at for the last three weeks. Who do you want to be? What kind of a person do you want to be? What kind of a life do you want to live? Because that decision has nothing to do with who is in the Oval Office. And it's so much bigger than we could ever understand. Today we're looking at a story in the Bible. It's a story that Jesus told his disciples as they were wondering what was to come in the future. They were curious and they were questioning and they were slightly afraid of the changes that were going to come in the future. They were stressed and a little anxious about what was going to happen next and, and they could tell the change was coming. They could see that it was coming and they wanted to be prepared. And so as the disciples and Jesus were walking down the road, Jesus decided to sit down on a hillside called the Mount of Olives. And he described to them in several short stories, he illustrated for them about what they and what we can expect in the future. And so I want to look this morning at one of the stories that Jesus told. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Uh, that's Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. And if you have a Bible next to you, I encourage you to grab that maybe off the shelf or off your nightstand. Grab the Bible and and, uh, and bring that to the, to the computer with you, or to the TV, wherever you are. Maybe you've got it on your phone app. But we're going to look today at Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. And as you're finding your Bibles and turning there this morning, I want to pray for us as a church. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for the gift of each new day. I thank you for changes, and I thank you for trust. And I thank you that, Jesus, you show us uh, how we can be prepared for the future. So Lord, we pray that you would help us today. Speak to our heads and to our hearts as we pour over the Bible this morning and learn from your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read this morning Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. And it says this, then the kingdom of heaven, you may remember Jesus is always talking about the kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of heaven going to be like? Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take any olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. 
At midnight they were roused by the shout, Look, the groom is coming! Come out and meet him! And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Then all those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the five other bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the hour or the day of my return. Now, if this is the first time you're ever hearing this story, it may seem a little strange to you. I know for me, the first time I ever heard this, it was very bizarre. In fact, I remember distinctly being a kid in Sunday school, hearing this story and being very confused. Right? For me, growing up, I was always taught that it was important to share what you had. If you had something and someone else didn't have it, you had more than enough for yourself, I was always taught, hey, go and share what you have. That's what my parents always taught me to do. They said that was the better thing to do, was to share if you could. But in this story, the bridesmaids don't share. The bridegroom doesn't let them back inside, and they're left outside the party. And this doesn't sound like a good story at all. Why is Jesus telling this story? What's he trying to say? Well, let's back up for just a minute. First of all, I want you to realize this story is all about preparation. It's all about preparation. Are you getting ready for what is going to happen? In the story, you get to enter heaven, Jesus is saying, kingdom of heaven is like this. You get to enter heaven by being prepared, by having what you need. Jesus said there's wise bridesmaids and there are foolish bridesmaids. The wise ones bring extra oil in case they run out. The foolish ones do not. The wise ones are prepared. And so when there's a delay, when the groom doesn't arrive on time, the wise bridesmaids are prepared. The foolish ones have to go out looking for oil and they miss their opportunity to be a part of the party. Have you ever missed an opportunity? No matter what you did, no matter what you did, you couldn't fix the situation that you were in. You were left out completely. I remember friends of mine were taking a cruise. It was a European cruise. And so here they are, they're getting ready for their trip. And the European cruise was such that they had to fly out of the United States of America. They had to fly to Europe. They had to get a connecting flight from there to another place in Europe, which is where the boat was. And then the boat was going to depart. Well, at some point along their journey, the plane that they were taking to get overseas was delayed. And so when it was delayed, they completely missed their rendezvous with the other plane, and they missed their other trip to get their rendezvous with the boat, and so they couldn't get out on the ship. And so they completely missed their opportunity to be on the trip. No matter what you do, no matter what you try to do, you cannot fix a problem completely. And so this is what I observed in their experience. There was no way for them to get to be on that ship. They missed their departure. When we look at the story that Jesus is telling, we think, what's the big deal? So the bridegrooms, they they went out, they they arrived late. They got the oil, they came back. What's the big deal? Just open the door and let them in. Why is the groom being so difficult? But here's the big deal. Sometimes you miss your rendezvous. And if that's it, if you miss your rendezvous, the ship sails on without you. There's nothing that you can do. Jesus is saying, heaven will welcome everyone, but you have to be ready, and you have to be prepared to welcome the groom when he arrives. 
Heaven will welcome everyone, but you have to be prepared to receive the groom when he arrives. On March 30th, 2019, I had the distinct pleasure of becoming the father of an Eagle Scout in the Boy Scouts of America. And scouting has a rich heritage involving presidents and leaders from all around the world. And if you've ever been a scout or know someone who has been a scout, you can probably tell me the scout motto. A scout is always prepared. Be prepared is the scout motto. And my son was going through scout, uh, scouting, and, and I listened as I would observe as his scoutmaster would teach him different uh, techniques, and he'd teach him different quotes, and he'd, he'd build character in my son and in the other scouts. And so I was listening one day as the scoutmaster was talking to the students about what it is to have an appointment. And he said to them, he said, listen, guys, he said, being early is on time. Being on time is late, and being late is unacceptable. When you're dealing with an appointment, being early is on time. Being on, uh, being on time is actually late, and being late is unacceptable. And that always stuck with me. I always loved the phrase that he said there, because it's important for all of us to be prepared and to plan for the future, because nobody, nobody knows the hour of the return of Jesus. And everybody wants to be able to enter heaven, to enter into that party. I told you at the beginning of this message series a couple of weeks ago that we would look at the lives and the stories of presidents of the United States of America as it relates to this message. And one uh, president that I wanted to highlight today, he wasn't a Boy Scout himself, but he was very heavily involved in scouting, and that was Dwight D. Eisenhower, President Eisenhower. And he has a famous quote about preparations. He was our 35th and he was a five-star general in World War II. And uh, President Eisenhower said this, uh, actually at the time I think he was the general, and he said, in preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. He said, in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. As a soldier, President Eisenhower is famous for his role in the Allied invasion of Normandy in 1944. And on that fateful evening, of June 5th, there was a roar of planes going overhead as they were taking off and beginning uh, the invasion outside of his cottage door. There was wind because it was a terrible weather and it was just battering against the, 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 the windows and, and beating against the shutters. And, and Mr. Eisenhower was in his cottage as he is, as he is sending these troops off to, uh, to, to face this attack. And he writes this message in his personal, personal notes. And in the off chance, in case that this attack did not prove successful. This is what President Eisenhower wrote, or General Eisenhower wrote. He said, our landings in the area have failed to gain a satisfactory foothold, and I have withdrawn the troops. My decision to attack at this time and place was based upon the best information available. The troops, the air, and the Navy did all that bravery and devotion to duty could do. If any blame or fault approaches to the attempt, attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone. In other words, he was preparing in the off chance that the attack did not succeed. He was writing these notes so that he would have words to say in preparation uh, before his troops and before the world. He made the decision to, the to make the attack. He planned the, the attack to the best of his ability, but if it failed, he stood by his decision and he took responsibility. Simon Scott is a journalist 
who wrote an article for NPR. And he made this observation about President Eisenhower based on what he wrote in that cottage that night on this little note. And Scott said, he said, it's telling to see where Eisenhower made changes in his note. Because if you look at his note, he crossed out this phrase. He crossed out this particular operation. And instead, he wrote the words, my decision to attack, which is more emphatic and personal. He drew a long line under the word mine alone, the words mine alone. And when you see these words and the thick line that he put on this note today in the Eisenhower Library, you might feel some of the steel of this man who so unflinchingly accepted re responsibility. Ike didn't try to camouflage failures in phrases like mistakes were made or our projections were not bad or I will say nothing uh, pending investigation. He wrote, any blame or fault is mine. It's mine alone. Be prepared. Take responsibility. Make decisions and be ready. You might not know what the future holds. Your plans may change, but planning is indispensable. The wise bridesmaids, they knew this. They planned, and so they brought extra oil. They were ready, and because they were prepared, they were admitted into the party of the bridegroom. The kingdom of heaven is going to be a party. Heaven is going to be a party. Jesus says heaven is like a wedding feast, which in his day was the most exciting, the most fun, the most ex uh, exuberant uh, thing that you could imagine. It was the most joyous event a person could attend. There were no TVs. There were no movies. There were no concerts that people could attend. A wedding feast was a huge and fun event. And heaven is going to be like that, Jesus said. We know that heaven's a place where God resides. It's this perfect place described in, in, in the Bible as this environment where there's everlasting life. There's joy and there's love and there's peace for all eternity. God lives there. We are in his presence forever when we are in heaven. Is that a place you want to be? Is heaven a place that you want to be? Is heaven your ultimate destination spot? Because if so, then what decisions are you making? How are you preparing to enter into heaven, to enter into God's wedding feast? Remember, all along I've been saying, you decide. You decide. You decide the life you want to live. You decide what you want to uh, do to prepare for entry into, uh, into heaven. The bridesmaids, they packed extra oil so they would be ready. What do we do to prepare so that we can enter into heaven? Well, I'm going to give you four actions, four things. If you're into writing things down, you can write these things down. These are four actions that you can take, and they're very basic. They're things we already do. But if you think about these things and you do them, you are preparing yourself to enter into heaven. Anyone Anyone can do these things. And so here, here's the first one. The first one is we, we, we talk to God through prayer. Prayer is the first one. Making sure prayer is a part of your daily living. Prayer isn't something we do after the fact. It's something we should go to our knees doing every single day. So making sure prayer is, is involved in our life. It's a conversation with God. Prayer should never be scary. It should just be like, God, this is what I'm feeling like today. God, this is what's going on in my life. Getting used to talking to God, bringing God into your experiences. In prayer, we share and we speak to God our thoughts, but it's also in prayer that we listen for God to speak. And here's the thing, when we're always telling God our list of things that are going on in our world and we're not listening to God, that's a one-way conversation. 
And prayer is a way that God will speak to us if we can quiet our heads and our hearts. But it's a discipline. It's something we have to add to our daily living. It's not something that comes naturally to us. We have to work at bringing prayer into our lives. So the first one I would tell you is prayer, adding prayer into your diet. The other one I would say is reading the Bible, meeting God in the Bible. The word of God changes our heads and our hearts. God speaks to us not only through prayer, but he speaks to us through the words of Scripture. I always love how one of my former associates used to say that the Holy Spirit of God slips through the pages of Scripture and impacts my heart as I read whatever God is laying out before me. That's why when you go to the Bible, you could read a passage over and over and over again. And every single time you hear something a little bit different because God is speaking to you. It's not that the Bible is changing. It's that God's message to you based on your experience and who you are and what he wants to share with you at that time, that's changing. And so the word of God, getting the word of God into our lives is so important. The other one I would tell you, through prayer, through reading the Bible, enjoying friendship and fellowship in the life of the church. God has designed life to be enjoyable, and some of our best friendships can be in the church. And, and I know right now COVID is hard. It's keeping us distant. We're not able to meet together often. But that's why we do things like the tailgate party. That's why we do things like once in a while we'll, we'll do a group, like the Wednesday group has been meeting here and just trying to get together. They're going to do the game day, even online. I find that when we're distant from being physically together, sometimes I'll get together with a small group of people on a call. And that time is so precious. It's so good. I enjoy seeing the faces of my friends and connecting in that way. Spending time, making sure we, we spend time together as the church. Encouraging each other, building one another up. You know, some of the other best times that we can spend is when we do mission trips. If we go to Kumak or if we go someplace like Habitat, if we can open those doors to be able to go back in safely. Man, some of the best moments are when we're swinging a hammer together or we're packaging food together. Because we're serving and we're giving of our lives and we're also in community with each other. So I would encourage you, uh, prayer, adding prayer. I would tell you, getting into the Bible, doing devotions on a regular basis, spending time being encouraged by people around you in the church. And the last thing I would tell you is by giving of yourself. Giving. When we give of ourselves, we find blessing more than we ever can imagine. It's so much better to give than to receive. And so this is the, the season of giving here, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and I know it's hard because we like to be able to give cans of yams or we like to give Christmas presents to the, uh, to the Wayne Welfare Department. This year, unfortunately, they're asking for gift cards. And so if you're able to do that, to be able to give, to just take a moment and to think, this is how I can give this year, please consider doing that. Maybe tally up, I can give $5, I could give $10, I could give $50. Whatever you might normally give at this Thanksgiving or Christmas season, can you do it through a gift card? Because that would be a wonderful way to give to somebody else. That's not coming to us. That's going to somebody else. And we're able to help and bless someone else this year. We are thankful for the people in our lives, and we want to be generous and give a helping hand to those who are hurting. And so spend time praying. Spend time reading the Bible. Spend time with your friends within the church and, and give of yourself. These are the devotions or the, the disciplines, rather, of, of what we can be adding to our lives. It is a great time of joy, uh, but it's also sadness this season, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so we're definitely seeing that we miss loved ones. So one of the way that I can encourage you is maybe you can send a note. Maybe you can call a friend. Maybe you can reach out, deliver a present. Maybe you can take some time to listen to someone in your world who's hurting. These are all ways that you can give 
of yourself. They have nothing to do with money. But they have everything to do with you giving of your time. And so if you are able to do that, I encourage you uh, to, to give financially, to give of yourself, to give in any way you can. Because these are the ways. These are the ways that we find uh, ourselves making decisions to live the best life that we know how. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. Will you be wise? And will you make the time to plan for your future? You get to decide the life you want to live. You decide who you want to follow in this life. You decide where you want to spend your time. And you decide what you want to do with the time that you have on this earth. You get to decide. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, prepare now by, by going to God in prayer, by reading the Bible, by spending time being encouraged in the church, by giving from what you have to help someone else. These are the ways that you prepare for heaven. These are the things that you can do now to enjoy a lifetime of, an, uh, of enjoyment and fulfillment and peace. And so if anyone has questions about any of these areas, anything that I've said today, please reach out to me this week. Let's talk. Send me an email. Give me a call. I'm available to you. My door is always open and available because these are the disciplines that will bring you into everlasting peace. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of, of what we've been given. Lord, we've been given time. We've been given relationships. We've been given finances. We've been given faith. All of these things, Lord, we submit to you. We give them to you today, and we ask that you would continue to bless them. Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would bless our lives with, with more fruit so that we can turn around and we can give according to the measure that you've given to us. God, we know that change can be hard, and so, Lord, we pray. We pray for what we cannot see, trusting you to lead us through all of our years. Lord, may you be the one that we, we turn to when, when, when life is hard or when life is challenging. God, as a, as a church, we continue to ask you to, to grow us and to share with us um, your presence and uh, your favor. And Lord, we ask, uh, too, that you would do that in our nation and in our world. Lord, we are in the middle of a pandemic. We are, we are seeking your help. We ask that you would continue uh, to enlighten the minds of the men and women who are, who are crafting and, and drafting uh, uh, healing uh, for, for, the, for the virus that is ravaging our lands, Lord, for uh, the people are coming up with, um, with antidotes and, and all of that. Uh, Lord, for um, our politicians, Lord, we pray again. We pray for uh, President uh, Trump and we pray for uh, Vice President, soon to be President Biden. Lord, we pray for these men and thank you for, for their, their teams of people that are around them. And, and we pray encouragement for them. We pray for hope for them. We pray that as a nation, we would come back and we would be unified. Lord, we would come back. It was, it was amazing to see how close uh, the election was. And, and we just pray that, that you would help us uh, as a nation to find a way to, uh, to move forward together. And uh, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would heal our land. And so in humility, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from the things that are unrighteous within us and that you would heal our land. Thank you, God, that uh, you give us the ability to decide who we want to be in this world. Lord, help us to decide what we will do with our time. Help us as we prepare for heaven, we pray. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.